hello, and welcome to Connected episode 278. It's made possible by our sponsors, Squarespace, Direct Mail, and Booz Allen. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Yes, thank you. And we are joined by Mike Hurley. Hello there. Wow. Oh, hi. Popped, popped onto the scene there. Yeah. It's my new style for 2020 is a surprise. Surprise. It's a su- surprise hello is your style yeah. for 2020. Okay. It's a very specific style. Hello. Okay. See, I did it again. Yes. Wow. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm not I'm, expecting I'm, it. I'm, I'm, honestly, it I'm again. shook. I am You're shook. You're shook? <laughs> yes. I'm <so> shook right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start the show with some follow-up. If, Mike, if all, right. you, all your greetings are done, do you have any more greetings to do? No. Find out. Hello! Ha-ha, see? Oh, God. I said I didn't have one, but I did have one. It's too much for me one day, mm-hmm. Mike. Mm-hmm. Last week on the show, I built a little web app so you could put next to Twitter for iPad if you don't want to see trends. And the listeners made much better versions of this. <laughs> Of this, uh, of so course. these are these are filler 2.0 options. Uh, we have a version; these are all in the show notes uh, by Matt, who created an improved version that responds to light and dark mode, including the uh, the blue kind of dark blue that Twitter uses, which I think is really nice. Uh, and then, not to be outdone, we have Lars, who made. A shortcut to generate an empty web page, which can then be added to the home screen. It hides the Safari UI. Okay. But then we have Kyle, uh, not Kyle's the Gray, another Kyle. Kyle Kyle Jones. Kyle Kyle Jones. Kyle's the Jones. Kyle the Jones. Kyle's the Jones. Made a PWA that you have to, you run on (laughs) on a server somewhere, and then you add to your homepage. And you can set the background color. You can double tap and it cycles through the colors. But you can use it to store tweets temporarily via drag and drop. So you have oh, the official Twitter app or website. Amazing. And you just drag them over. So he made a shelf app for Twitter. And yes, exactly. It looks incredible. And this goes far above and beyond what I ever thought would be possible for my little project. Uh, I just love that because it's a PWA, like it takes advantage of all the latest, um, the, the WebKit stuff on, on iOS and iPadOS, which means like you can add it to your home screen and it gets a custom icon. You can use it in split view, which is, of course, the, the main use case here. Um, I mean, this is w- way more than I was expecting. Like actually somebody, somebody actually made a PWA that lets you store tweets in the browser local storage. P- That's incredible. WA is that like yes. public want for affection or something? What is that? No, it's it, it is a rap group. Oh, Mike. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the people with attitude, right? Is that yes. what that is? Okay, that's good. Yes. That's good to know. It's exactly what it is. Uh-huh. Um, you can put people with attitude on your server. And, you know what? Uh, people with attitude is actually just a really good name for Twitter in general. Like PWA. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found it. It's an it's an inception sort of thing. It's a PWA for Twitter. You just drag so, all of the most salty tweets into the PWA, <laughs> and this, this is my people with attitude this folder. Is my pe- <laughs> That's really good. I have still very much been enjoying uh, backfill. Um, mm. which was made by a uh, listener, Charlie, whose podcast I was on, actually. It was a very good interview. Uh, Charlie just launched a show called 
launched, uh, which is mostly about uh, developers launching apps. Um, but what have you launched, Mike? You don't want to know what I've done. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I am a person who's launched other things. So it is. It was actually a very, very fun interview. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Charlie did a really good job. Um, I know the trials and tribulations of trying to host an interview show, and I think that Charlie did a good job. So you should go check it out. Also from last week, we had the birth of two Twitter accounts, annual chairman and keynote chairman. Currently, I have the keys to the keynote chairman account. Federico, you have the annual chairman account all year, but you have not done anything with it. Why not? Get off my back. I'm being busy. <laughs> you didn't even upload an avatar yet. I was aware of the fact that like Stephen, for some reason, set a telephone number on the account. I don't actually know why Stephen found it upon himself to log into that so account. I, but yeah, I admit he did. to lo- So I can tell you what happened. I okay. attempted to log into mine, but mm-hmm. I have like 35 Twitter to logins use social and one password. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. And I, uh, I got confused in my old age and logged into the wrong one. <laughs> See? And by the time I realized what was happening, it already had a phone number attached to it. So when I was in there, I gave it a banner image and a bio and stuff do you see do you see the level at which Stephen believes he will be the chairman that he gave his own phone number to the twitter wow. account that's supposed to be passed around well it, so it, like, it required a phone number so i was there it didn't when i set it up did it though did it really require a phone number you just you see in your old age you also missed the very small button that lets you skip it because i also skipped it can we can we just talk about for a second how bad twitter is when you create an account we have gotten more email. They really want your phone number now, like desperately. You have to like basically put them in a headlock to get them an email address. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of interesting. What I will note though, Federico, is that uh, at keynote chairman, which is Stephen's account, has five hundred and fifty followers, and at uh-huh. annual chairman has four hundred and seventy. So boom. The moment I start tweeting, that account <laughs> will get to a thousand followers. Oh, will it? Well, well, when is, when is that going to be? <laughs> It's going to be some hot exclusive content. But when? Uh, Anytime now? Well, it's a surprise. That's my thing for 2020. Surprise right. Twitter account. Wait, hang on a second. Surprise <laughs> is my thing for 2020. Don't take <laughs> well, my thing. Yours is a surprise hello. Mine is a surprise tweet. <laughs> Maybe I need a Twitter account for surprise hello. You just tweet the word no. hello? Yeah, <laughs> just I'm not yell do hello it. at people because yeah i mean you know I, I don't deserve a twitter account because i'm not a winner so maybe eventually later on i can get one mm. but it looks like we're gonna sure. g- get to do this again in march it seems like there's an event coming oh yeah oh yeah wait, wait what is this hashtag breaking news no just no no invites have been sent but it just seems there's a lot of there's like more and more rumors that there's a march event i did see something today about uh production ramping up on a small phone yeah Mm. Yeah. Yep. The iPhone. Hello. The iPhone. Hello. Hello. Federico, tell us about the Italian baker iPad kickstand case mod. What an incredible. Just can we all just drink that sentence in a little bit? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Stephen, can you say that again, but a little bit more slowly? Federico, can you tell us about the Italian baker's iPad kickstand and keyboard case mod? Jeez, oh, boy, good. that sounds good. Isn't that good? Wow. That is like 
I don't know, honey for my ears. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Can I just say, though, real quick, ASMR. how terrible it would be to have honey poured into your ear? <laughs> no. Like, it would be so bad for that to happen to you. ASMR. Why? No, look, Stephen, Stephen, this is one of those things where, like, you're old again. Just saying ASMR <laughs> is <Italian> not... <laughs> that's this better. Is not how it works. <laughs> Italian baker. No, see, no, look, again, again. All right, you know what? Fine. That's the, you just did some ASMR. Good work. Italian baker. <laughs> You're freaking me out a little bit now because it's making the hairs on my neck stand up. So you need to stop. Yeah, because the ASMR is working. Yeah, it's actually it's working. It's working. It just kept saying <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> you just kept saying it over and over again. That's all it is. Honey, in your ear. Please stop. <laughs> Honey, in your ear. You need to stop. Please, you need to stop. Like you because need, you just you just oh awoke God. a selection of people. God. Like almost like sleeper cell agents. A bunch of people just realized their sensitivity. Like they could be on buses and stuff. Yeah. Like you need to be more careful. A bunch with that. of people just discovered ASMR because of you, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> and they got the totally wrong idea. So Federico, what is this about? ASMR stands for. <laughs> is that what you want to know more about? Or are we talking about Italian bakers again? Yeah, tell us about this video. I watched this about four times. It's amazing. It's incredible. So, a connected listener who goes by the name of Italian Baker, which is, by the way, just incredible. Awesome reference. Thank you. Sent me, actually sent us a video uh, over the weekend containing a Vimeo, it's a Vimeo link. Um, and this video shows it's basically just a video that, that this person made for us to show how they modded the iPad's smart keyboard folio to accommodate a bunch of additions to the iPad. So we were talking last week about the iPad accessories that we would like to see. We mentioned, uh, I mentioned it would be nice to have a kickstand or more viewing angle options on the iPad. Um, so the Italian Baker video it starts relatively simple. It shows how this person bought an accessory called the Switchy Cover Body, which is um, a plastic, um, sort of a plastic case that protects the edges of the iPad, but also serves as a pass-through for the smart keyboard folio. So you can put this case on and you can still keep using the Apple smart keyboard. But like all it does is that you put the pencil somewhere right and there's a pencil holder at the top it, it comes with a pencil holder you can still attach the pencil magnetically to the ipad pro which is why i instantly bought this accessory i had no idea this existed and oh, so it's, it's on it's my a ipad right now it's a case and a pencil holder and it's got a smart connector pass-through so mm. you can keep using the smart keyboard it basically adds no bulk to the ipad pro it adds no thickness it's incredible. It's really well done. It's not cheap because I, I think I paid like $45. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. It's not cheap, but it totally does what I need, what I want from this. It's a pretty expensive Apple Pencil holder, though, right? Yes, it's an expensive, expensive Apple Pencil holder. And it also protects the edges of the iPad Pro, which in hindsight, I kind of wish that I knew this before because all my edges are dinged up mm -hmm. and scratched for some reason. So, yeah, it's very nice. But the video gets 
progressively it more got, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> gets w- wild after about one minute. So better or worse, depending on your kind of outlook on life. Gets so much better. So Italian baker attached a plastic kickstand. This is a standard laptop kickstand that you can buy from Amazon to the back of the Switch Easy cover body case. Now, terrible name. Yes. Now, the Italian baker <laughs> cut a hole in the Apple Smart Keyboard Folio cut. Oh. to let the kickstand f- basically come out the other side. Yep. This person used magnetic paper, which we talked about last year. Very famously, I think MKBHD made this thing popular. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of paper that lets you see where magnets are. So, mm-hmm. Italian baker used magnetic paper on the smart keyboard folio to see where the magnets were. He then cut a hole into the smart keyboard where, the, where it was magnet-free, and the hole is cut precisely so that the plastic kickstand can come out on the other side. And then he lined up the, uh, the hole, and he, in the video, I mean, this makes so much more sense, in a way, I guess, in the video, because you see the finished project is actually kind of amazing that you have this completely custom iPad Pro with a pencil holder, with a case and a kickstand that comes out of the back. Yep. And the smart keyboard folio is still attached, but it's got a hole and the kickstand comes out of the hole. It's, mm-hmm. It is honestly incredible. So yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I have done something following this video. I did not cut a hole in my smart keyboard folio. I don't, I don't plan to do so. Because as we talked about before, I already have kickstands in the back of the, of the smart keyboard folio. It's the kickstand method that we talked about last year. I have four metal kickstands that allow me to use the smart keyboard with two different... I'm surprised it hasn't gone up to six by now. No, no, it's four because I have two different viewing angles. Uh-huh. A touch typing angle and a movie mode angle. Mm-hmm. So I have two sets of kickstands. So I don't need to cut a hole and attach a plastic kickstand. But I have bought the cover body pencil holder slash case. And I've done something else. But I want to keep this a surprise for now because I will be, and I'm not kidding, I will be extremely judged by you both Hmm. for what I've done. This will be revealed in tomorrow's episode of Adapt Hmm. here on Relay FM. And I have not yet received. This thing, it should be here by next week. So I assume that next week's episode of Connected, I will have to suffer the consequences of my decision. I don't want to share anything else for now, because I really want to make sure that, especially you both, listen to Adapt Tomorrow and to that segment and realize what I've done. There is a thing that you have not quite anticipated, uh, which is that, both me and Steven have complete access to the Relay FM CMS. Oh no. So oh, no. I have looked? already looked at the show notes for Adapt. Oh my god. And so you know. So you it know. is not completely clear, but I think I know what you've done and I am incredibly excited for next week's episode <laughs> of Connected because we can really get into that. So I would like to double down on the recommendation to listening to Adapt so all of our listeners can be fully prepared for the glory of next week's episode of Connected. <laughs> 
See, look, you, you, I have, we <laughs> I have our ways. I did not consider that. You did not consider this. Uh-huh. But you know what? I <laughs> looked like four hours ago because I have been having this in my mind. And as soon as I saw that Adapt was in the system, I went trolling through the show notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The show notes. Well, yeah. Will so... you stop doing that? You can't just keep doing this. <laughs> It's so, like so. I'm mm-hmm. surprised. Hello, and 2020 is ASMR time for Stephen Hackett. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, it seems like you got confused in talking about 5G. Do you want to correct mm-hmm. the record? Yeah, David wrote in to say that I got my 5G specs backwards. Uh, made me feel better by saying it's complicated, so there should be no shame. Millimeter wave is the high band, super fast stuff over short distances, and sub six or six hundred megahertz is the stuff that's closer to LTE in speeds, and is what T-Mobile has um, put into place. But the point still stands in that Apple is looking to uh, apparently integrate both of these technologies into their five G uh, chips later this year, right? Later this year, maybe. We'll find out. We'll find out mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. Or you may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. Everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands that they're helping some of the world's largest organizations modernize. They understand the missions of government and industry and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. And because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of the show. You may or may not be right about 5G, but I may or may not be right about Apple planning original podcasts. So this Mm -hmm. comes from a report in Bloomberg by Lucas Shaw and Mark Mark Gurman couple of days ago that Apple is planning to make original podcasts promoting its TV shows. I think we spoke about this exact idea that a lot of TV networks now have podcasts that go behind the scenes and shows, interview writers and actors and all that sort of sorts of things. Uh, it seems like a really, uh, to me, really obvious way Apple could get into this. And it seems like they are maybe looking into this and they have sent requests for pitches. They've been talking to podcast producers and it seems like uh, maybe this could be moving forward. Apparently as well, according to a report, which makes perfect sense, if they're going to be making them, that you would see some stars showing up on the shows. Basically, they're, they're copying the model that a lot of other TV networks have been doing. HBO have done this. Um, who makes The Good Place? NBC. Yeah, well, there's there's a Good Place podcast, which is hosted by one of the characters of the show, um, although like not as the character, as, a, as, a, as an individual, as a real human. Right. Uh, so, yeah. This is the thing. This this approach makes a lot of sense because it is a good like free marketing thing to do. People like it, you know, like there are tons and tons of podcasts about TV shows just in general, right? People doing rewatches and this kind of fits into that um idea and but also includes 
conversation from the people who made it. Like there was a really good uh, Watchmen podcast from mm-hmm. HBO as well. So HBO's been doing a lot of this. The Chernobyl show was apparently very good. Jason always picks them in his favorites of the year. When we do the upgrades, like there's always an entrant of one of these because they're, they're pretty good as look behind the scenes. Uh, my expectation, if Apple were doing this, because it is ultimately a promotional play that they would make these shows available to all. That would be my expectation. Um, that you know, Because there's been a lot of questioning around, like, if Apple made their own podcasts, would they only exist inside of Apple Podcasts? Right. Or would they exist everywhere that you could subscribe to a show in? And I think that if the, the, the idea of your show is that you want to make it a, like, promotional piece for your TV content, that it makes sense to have it available everywhere. I could be proven wrong. Um, but I think this is a very natural and great beginning, right? This is what we expected if they were going to do something. This seemed like like low-hanging fruit of a type of show to do because mm-hmm. these shows are already popular, they do well, and it's not going to be like a conflict of interest for Apple and the types of things that they would that they would want to do. It's not going to cause them trouble, Right, like doing like a daily news show could be difficult, right? Like because it's, it's could get political or whatever. But this is just like easy stuff to do with with in a, in a pipeline that they can control as well, right? Um, so this makes a lot of sense, I think. So assuming that Apple is doing this original podcast content, is it just a way to sort of upsell the Apple TV Plus content uh, service uh, or? Are they also doing like actual Apple Podcasts original originals that are not uh, a way to upsell you on Apple TV Plus? Um, I think this would be the start, right? Mm. Because this is like logical. Like these types of shows are obvious to do, right? And if they did well, maybe they would do more. But I don't know what more they would want to do. Right, because you're getting into the whys, right? Like, which is the trickier thing. Like, why? Why does Apple want to make their own podcast? Like, what is the benefit? Um, and I think that it is harder to to draw that benefit for Apple than it is for Spotify. Like, Spotify's benefit it's clear. Um, they want to they want to drive people to sign up for Spotify and also provide Spotify subscribers with more content. But people do not subscribe to Apple Podcasts right now. So Apple would have to, if they wanted people to do that, like consider it a strong enough business case to somehow move the needle somewhere else. I don't know if just like the use of Apple Podcasts is that important to them. Like I don't know if it's that much of a big deal, like ultimately as part of the business to spend a bunch of money producing shows to lock them inside of Apple Podcasts to try and drive growth of Apple Podcasts. I, I just don't know if I can see the link there. Like, if they want to give Apple... Like, if they want to put them inside of Apple Podcasts, but they're only available for people that subscribe to TV+, then... And I don't know how they would do that, but, like, let's imagine they do that. Then, sure, that is a value add to an existing service. There is also a possibility that Apple could create a subscription service for podcasting, but I, I just don't see that right now. They, I would see that they will more likely start in this, and if this really takes off for them, then maybe they would go that route. But I don't. I think it's still way too early to tell. Like, mm-hmm. I would put money 
on these shows existing everywhere. That's that, and then they Apple can work out what they want to do from there. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I guess it's easier because with these types of shows, you have the content essentially cut out for you already. You're talking about an existing property, so uh, you know it's not it's not like you're putting together an original story or doing original reporting. You know, it's easier than to come up with I don't know something like Serial, for example. Uh, so yeah, I think it makes sense, and it, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't pay for these types of shows. But as a way to sort of uh, attract listeners to eventually pay for something else, maybe I could see that. I don't know. Like, I would listen to a podcast about For All Mankind produced oh, yeah. by the people that made For All Mankind. Totally. For sure. Like, I would do that because I, I want more of that world and I like the people involved in it and I want to hear more about it, like how they made it and stuff. I would, like, totally be in for that. So, I, th- But I wouldn't switch to Apple Podcasts to get it. Oh, right. So... Uh, we have uh, another story about things Apple may do in the future, and it is about smart keyboards. So this comes from DigiTimes, um, and it's kind of a a multi-part thing that Apple's next generation iPad would come with a new smart keyboard, and that would feature scissor switches. Right now, they use butterfly switches, but because they're all encased in fabric, they don't seem to have the issues that the laptops did where you get debris in there and then they fail. But it's interesting, right? Because I don't know. I mean, people have issues with the smart keyboard. They seem to die sometimes, but it isn't an issue like they had on the MacBooks. So maybe they just want to bring everything over to the new design. I don't know. Not just scissor switches. Glowing Scissor switches. And that's the more exciting part. It could be <laughs> backlit. Could it be, though? It should be. It'd be awesome. Well, the, Federico, do you want to write what you put in the document, which like, blew my yes, mind today? That So uh, <laughs> months ago, I think it was sometime last year, I believe I joked about, hey, what if Apple made a smart keyboard and the keycaps are made of uh, glow-in-the-dark material? Uh, that sort of would be a way to make them kind of backlit without actually adding, you know, uh, wires under the keyboard and, and lights under the keyboard. Just make it glow in the dark, like those, you know, silly toys that, mm-hmm. you know, you have when you're a kid. So imagine if it actually comes true that it's a glowing smart keyboard that is still thin and light, but you can actually see in the dark. But you can only use it at night for a short period of time before the glow. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, it glows, but you can only work for two hours because that's all you should be doing anyway, and then you should go to bed, right? Because it only would the glowing. Well, like, that's kind of funny. Yes, it should and probably will be uh, backlit, but I do mm. love the idea of a glow-in-the-dark keyboard. That's just cute in a way that I would enjoy very much. Yes. Um, so this did come from Digitimes. Uh, in July of last year, Ming-Chi Kuo said that Apple would stick with the rubber dome design on the smart keyboard. But who knows? Things could have changed. That could have been wrong. Um, I agree with you, Stephen. There wasn't like a lot of. There isn't a lot of call for any change to the underlying mechanism of the smart keyboard. But maybe if Apple is unifying again around the Magic Keyboard, that they would just want to make them all the same, right? Like just make one type of keyboard key. Um, who knows? Because this this report does also reiterate the idea of a 13-inch MacBook Pro with a scissor switch keyboard being released in the first half of 2020. I mean, maybe it's just a matter of <laughs> we're not going to make the butterfly keyboard anywhere, so let's just get rid of all the machines, right? Like it could be a very operation-centric decision and not necessarily one about customer usage or customer satisfaction, which would be fine. I mean, 
I, for one, like I don't mind the smart keyboard. It's the keyboard I use most of the time on my iPad. I have a bridge keyboard that I'll bust out if I'm doing like real writing, but you know, day in and day out, I keep the smart keyboard on there and I don't have any real problems with that keyboard, but I wouldn't argue with one that felt even better. So um, I could imagine like uh, just a unifying story around wanting yeah. to move because, you know, to, to people that have ever been frustrated with keyboards over the last few years, there is something nice about hearing ultimately all of the products if they're going to go that route being like, and we're using the same magic keyboard, right? They just keep saying that line over and over again, right? I can imagine that kind of putting people at ease of the idea of Apple making bad keyboards, right? It's just like they, they use one keyboard design everywhere and everyone loves it and everyone's happy and there's no more keyboard problems. I think that's I think that's a good story for them to tell. Ready to take a break? Yes. Yes. All right. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Direct Mail. If you're looking to grow your customer base, connect with fans, or build a following this year, a super cost-effective way to reach people is still email. And for over 15 years, Direct Mail for Mac has been the go-to email marketing application for business, nonprofits, and schools, and other organizations who want to expand their reach or connect with customers. It's designed just for the Mac, so you know you can get your work done in half the time using all the Mac technologies you've grown to love, like drag and drop, keyboard shortcuts, deep integration with other apps, and much more. Direct Mail has eye-catching templates. They are infinitely customizable and look great on all devices. Direct Mail has a helpful customer service team staffed by real humans. There's no chatbots or AI here, just friendly people who are ready to help and at no extra charge. Send your first campaign today with a free download of Direct Mail. Listeners of this show will also save 10% off all of their full feature pricing plans. Head over to directmailmac.com to experience the top-rated email marketing app for the Mac and see how it can help your business grow. Once again, that's directmailmac.com. Our thanks to Direct Mail for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. Apple iCloud encryption, and the mm. Federal Bureau of Investigation. The FBI. Buckle up, everyone. I have many things to say, and then we can talk about it, right? I've been doing a All bunch right. of reading today. Encryption. So, according to a report from Reuters yesterday, as we record this, six sources confirmed to them that Apple previously dropped plans to offer fully encrypted iCloud backups. Um the report partly states that this was after complaints from the FBI. There's a quote from an employee to Reuters saying, legal killed it for reasons you can imagine. And I'll continue with another quote. Once the decision was made, the 10 or so experts on the Apple encryption project, variously codenamed Plezio and Keydrop, were told to stop working on the effort. Three, three people familiar with the matter told Reuters. So this is the idea that your iCloud backups are not currently end-to-end encrypted, right? So this means that Apple has the ability to access that data of your iCloud backups. I'll get into a little bit more later on about what that actually means, what is encrypted and what isn't. But if we're thinking about the idea that that Apple was previously working on an end-to-end encryption solution for iCloud backups, then they have since stopped working on that. This could mean one of a few things. That the FBI told Apple not to do it, whether Apple disclosed to them or not. But it was pretty clear a few years ago um, after the San Bernardino shooting, which is what is 
back in court right now, right? Like, and there's a there's a lot of drum beating from the government about Apple, uh, from the U.S. government about Apple handing over that information, which they previously refused to hand over, right? Like, it's come back around again. I'm right in that, Stephen. Yeah, it's, that's back in the news again. Yes, it is. So that's maybe potentially one of the reasons why this story has come out as it has. But so this, yeah, Apple was talking a lot then about encryption. So it may have been that the FBI told Apple don't do end to end or they disclosed to the FBI or whatever. But so it could be that the FBI told Apple not to do it. Apple could have decided not to do it because they knew it would cause more trouble than they wanted. Or possibly Apple is not using end to end encryption on iCloud backups because if people lose their passwords, they lose all of their data, and that this has nothing to do with the FBI at all. There's actually a quote in the story from Reuters which says that one employee did say this, um, that this could have been one of the reasons or a reason to stop pursuing this approach, because if you have end-to-end encryption on iCloud backups and you lost your password that was connected to that backup, everything's gone, right? You've lost all of your photos, you've lost everything, if if there was no other way to recover it. Like if that was as we would expect it to be, unless Apple created something that we've never seen before, but that's how we would expect end-to-end encryption to work or the fail state to be. So then from a report from 9to5Mac, uh, so this is a bit about encryption, right? Apple currently stores iCloud backups in a non-end-to-end encrypted manner. This means that the decryption key is stored on Apple's servers. If a police entity comes to Apple with a subpoena, then the company has to give over all of the iCloud data, including the decryption key. This has further rounds of ramifications. For instance, whilst the iMessage server is end-to-end encrypted, the conversation stored in an iCloud backup or not. So whilst we believe end-to-end encryption to exist in iMessage because that's something that we've been told whilst that's true if you use iCloud backup it doesn't matter right that your iMessages could then be read if a law enforcement agency was to have gotten your iCloud data or anybody could in theory if they have access to it at Apple so Currently, though, data from health, home, keychain, and Wi-Fi passwords are end-to-end encrypted. Like, this is encrypted, but that's it. So if you were to have my understanding from doing reading on this is even if somebody was to get a subpoena, they couldn't get that information. But messages they could get to if, if you're using iCloud backup. And, of course, none of this matters at all if you're using the backup option that you can do with a Mac through iTunes or Finder, where you can have it encrypted, but then you need a password, but then you can't be using iCloud. That's the only way to get an end-to-end encrypted backup of your iPhone or iPad. So basically, Apple store this inf- like uh, the iCloud backups in an unencrypted matter- in manner in case you need help to recover the data. As reported by Benjamin Mayo, uh, Cook uh, of 9to5Mac, Uh, Tim Cook told a German newspaper in 2018 the following. Our users have a key and we have one. We do this because some users lose or forget their key and they expect us to get their data back. It is difficult for us to estimate when we will change this practice, but I think that in the future it will be handled on the devices. We will therefore no longer have a key for this in the future. This is a translation from a newspaper that I pulled together from two different sources who's had translation clarifications. I'll put both of those in the show notes. But it seems that from 2016 to 2018, there are numerous quotes in numerous outlets, including places like the Wall Street Journal, of Tim Cook seeming to state that Apple would be changing their encryption practices. But nothing has happened since, which it potentially means that they did drop this project 
for some reason, whether told to by a law enforcement agency or told to by themselves, right, that they decided they weren't going to do it. By the way, Google, on some of their newer devices, do offer end-to-end encryption on their backups. So it's not impossible to do this. Like, law enforcement agencies haven't stopped Google or Google didn't care or Google have just decided to do it or whatever, but Google to do this. I will also, for further reading, recommend uh, that you read an article from Dieter Bone over on The Verge who looks at how tricky this whole thing can be about encryption in general. So this is the place where we are right now. It is not news that end-to-end encryption uh, is not a thing for iCloud backups. I think we all forget it from time to time. I know I always forget it, especially the thing around iMessages, um, because I've been told many times that iMessages are end-to-end encrypted. They are from device to device, but if either of those devices is backed up by iCloud, that is null and void. I would like the option to be able to end end encrypt my device, and I think really that Apple should give a choice, um, and it should be on the user to be smart about their passwords, right? Like where they're stored and how they're stored, so they won't forget them. Um, but that's where we are. I you know I honestly can see both reasons so let's imagine that they have not done this for one of those two main reasons they haven't done it so we there is a reason they haven't done it to now maybe it's super difficult maybe it's still coming but let's just assume that they have abandoned this project honestly i can see them doing it because of law enforcement stuff because we have seen things in the past where apple have done things because they're a big company and big mm-hmm. companies have to do things. And sometimes that's taking the president around your factory and letting him claim that it was built because of him, right? Like, there are games to play. And the same reason that Apple does give data to the FBI when requested, right? But I would like to see them build end-to-end encryption because Apple put up posters on the side of buildings that say, what happens on my iPhone stays on my iPhone, but what they don't put is an asterisk that says, unless you back up right. by the system which we notify you to back up on, that we put a badge on the settings app if you don't use. I kind of wish they would go the, the full way. This is always the problem. If a company takes a stance which is so strong, they are held to it, right? Mm-hmm. If you say we are the most privacy-conscious technology company, and we're never going to look at your information, and you talk about how great your end-to-end encryption on messages are, you need to back it up. Like, it is mind-boggling to me that Google offer this now, but Apple doesn't. So I want to see them do it. And I hope that Apple have not commented at all on this yet. I expect if it continues to be a story over the next few days, they will issue some kind of response, which will go into some more detail. But I would love to see them do this, because... I would just like to I would just like the option and I understand look I get it right like it will be an absolute nightmare for them if they let people do this but it should be a like 20 step process where they make me read a bunch of pop-ups that I have to opt into like iMessage in the cloud right super yep. useful feature but you have to go and manually turn it on right Make me go into four nested like settings menus to get this feature because I want it's like Fire Vault, right? That's difficult to turn on, right, Stephen? Like you have to go and do it. Like they don't do it for you. You have to go and do it because you're encrypting your Mac, and 
if you forgot that password, you're kind of screwed. I'm right in that, yes? I think now it's part of the setup process where it's easier to yeah, do. Yeah, it kind of it prompts you, I believe, yeah. at okay. some point. Well, they're, they're willing to do that. But anyway, so I would like to see them go to that to that route, right? Like, that's what I would like to see them do. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that there's... That I'm, they, their company is full of incredibly smart people. I'm sure they can come up with ways to try and make this a, as best a process as it can be. But I want to see them do it because I don't think that they can talk the game they talk about privacy and not allow me to do this. That's where I am on this one. Yeah, this to me totally feels like the sort of thing that Apple will end up announcing that it's coming in a future version of iOS. Uh, it's, it seems like a, like, um, like sort of a repeat of the situation that they had with the battery life stuff when they were called, well, maybe not lying necessarily, but, you know, lying by omission about what the iPhone was doing to preserve the, you know, power efficiency stuff and the battery-related shutdowns. And they were caught, and people started writing about it, and then they said, okay, we're actually going to add this. And this, to me, feels like a much, much more serious and more important problem, especially because it's, the you know, there's the government involved. Uh, and especially in the United States with the FBI and all these shootings. Uh, you know, the other thing is like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the FBI, but maybe it was China. Right. Because Apple were playing ball with the Chinese government that the decryption keys live on servers in China for iCloud in China. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the FBI, right? Maybe right. it was somebody else, you know, like, because that's a whole other thing, right? Like, if they do this, what about China? Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do there, but like so, but that could be a reason why they maybe won't do it, or didn't do it, or I don't can't do it. I don't know. I guess the bigger question is that, and I really don't have a good answer to this. the The bigger question, of course, is should the government, or should a, you know, a government agency, be able to get access to personal data, such as personal communications and emails when something bad happens, like a terrorist attack or a shooting or some other, you know, uh, criminal-related event. And that's the, like, that's a big question that, yep. you know, <laughs> folks who have been studying history and politics and, and all this kind of stuff and not been able to provide a good answer for, because it goes, it comes down to some fundamental issue. Uh, themes of like human rights and privacy and what it all means and it i guess it as far as apple is concerned this is why i I don't necessarily have an an opinion more complicated than yes i know it's a complex problem but i think apple should do it but it comes down to taking a stance i think and it feels to me like the sort of issue that years ago i would have said oh for sure apple is gonna take a stance and they're gonna do it because whatever, the government. They're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And the fact that I am not so sure about 2020 Apple taking this kind of stance, I'm sort of like 70% sure they're going to do it. But there's a 30% in the back of my mind that says, but you know, maybe they want to be on Trump's good side and maybe they want to be on China's good side and they're not going to do this. And that speaks to the socio-political changes that we've gone through over the past five years. Everything is more complicated, and the relationship between Apple and the government in the US and in China and with the EU 
is much more complicated than 10 years ago when Steve Jobs was around. Steve Jobs could take a stance about Flash, right? But it wasn't like this big political fight. It was about Flash Player in a <laughs> web browser. This is about human rights and privacy and encryption and what does it mean for the government to have a corporation that operates in the United States that can hold potentially, you know, sensitive data that could be useful for an investigation and you cannot get to that data at all. Is that, is that kind of privacy a human right? Personally, from my perspective, I would say yes, it is a human right. But also, I understand the emotional component of this. And this is why the FBI and all these other agencies are so... And even in Italy, we see this type of story every once in a while. Why they're so clever in sort of exploiting that emotional component of this. Of be like, oh, what if you were, you know, uh, the son of a victim of a shooting? Wouldn't you want to know who was behind it? And I totally get it, that there's an emotional component, especially when it's about terrorist attacks and shootings and being able to find the truth in that kind of instance. But, you know, politics are often at a different level than the emotional component, or they should be at least. So, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It feels like a right thing. Encrypting everything after 20 pages of settings, that should be the right thing to do. And this is what Apple should do. And I think, honestly, they're going to do it. But it's complicated. And I, I, I don't know what else is there to say, but it's complicated. It feels right, but it's complex. Honestly, I was under the impression, I, as Mike said, I keep forgetting that iCloud backups are not end-to-end decrypted. 100%. Um, I was under the impression that they were, but yeah, so. I mean, it's barely end-to-end encrypted, honestly. Like, the amount of information that is end-to-end encrypted is so minuscule compared to everything else that is in my iCloud backup. But does it make sense, like, the, like what I'm saying that... Oh, yeah, it's incredibly difficult. So, like, I... I, but I'm not the one making those decisions, right? Like, so I just think about me, right? Right, and and I want my data to be end-to-end encrypted. That's what I want. I know it's incredibly complicated, and honestly, like the thing is, I don't have any. I I don't have a massive problem with the idea of them not doing this. My problem is, you can't say one thing and then do another. Right? You can't say what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone when any court in America can change that. Yeah. And then it doesn't. Right? Like, that's my problem. If Apple was different in what they spoke about, or if they didn't say things like that, then I would just have to choose to live with the situation that I have brought upon myself. And if I cared about it enough, I would stop using iCloud Backup and I would start doing encrypted backups on my Mac, right? I tend to just have a problem with marketing that is effectively lying. Like false advertising. Yes, from a company that we expect better from because they give that impression to the world. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we all care about Apple so much is because of the way they present themselves. Because they present themselves as, like, better than Facebook, right? And, like, Tim Cook will tell you that if you ask him. 
right? You know what I mean? And so it's like when I see stuff like this or when I'm reminded of things like this, it's like, ah, but this doesn't, this doesn't jive with, with what you're saying. Like, do I have a problem with Apple having this information if they can help save other people's lives? No. But do I have a problem with them doing this if they say that, if, they, if their marketing tells me that's not what they're doing? Yeah, I kind of do have a problem with that because it's complicated. Stephen, you haven't said mm. anything. I mean, I agree with everything that's that's been said. I think Apple needs to have this as an option. I think that they, I think they're going to be forced to do it now because this is not going to be an issue that fades away. I don't think this feels like this is one of those big deals that they they have to contend with. It does open questions about you know how they explain these things to their users, right? And uh, I th- a I think Apple totally regrets that CES banner that they put on the side of the hotel last year. So stupid. I think they they really regret that. Mm-hmm. The fact that we three were confused or had forgotten that iCloud backups were not end in encrypted, like we're plugged into this more than anybody. And I bet you there's a lot of users out there who saw this story. If they understand what end-to-end encryption means, we're really surprised that the iCloud backup doesn't do it. And so Apple has an opportunity here to not only fix it, but to explain what this technology does and what it provides for people. Because on one hand, you have us saying Apple should do this. It should be an option. You should understand that if you do this and you lose your iCloud password, all your data is gone, right? That needs to be clear. Because that's that's the reason... I think the primary reason Apple would say that it is like this is it's so they can get people back into their accounts. But I don't know if people really understand what what that means. So we have yeah. all this on, on this side. But then the other side, you have people like the president and politicians saying, we need access to backups, we need access to data, so when things happen, we can deal with it. And that more people are going to hear that than are going to hear this show, right? And and hear that the reasons that you should do it. And so Apple has to navigate all that. And it's an opportunity for them to speak really clearly about what encryption is and does in a world where there's a lot of voices saying that it's a bad thing, because it is not a bad thing. Yes, it has consequences. And one of those consequences is the FBI can't see certain data. And we have to understand that that's a trade-off. And that's a trade-off that many of us are willing to make. Some other people aren't willing to make, and that's fine. But Apple needs to be really clear here about what this option would mean, not only for password resets, but what it would mean in the bigger world. Because if they don't, their voice is just going to be drowned out by the others. And Apple does risk either political or social or sort of feedback or pushback that, oh, you're not willing to help when, you know, these terrible things happen. And that's, that's a situation I don't want to navigate. I'm really glad I'm not Tim Cook this week, but they've, that my, my biggest hope for this is whatever Apple does is that it is very clear about what it means and they don't do their marketing, you know, spiel on like what was so refreshing about the thoughts on flash letter that you referenced earlier Steve Jobs was very clear about their decision-making, right? It wasn't, I mean, he, he always had his reality distortion field, but like in reading that letter, I remember being, this is very like clearly worded in a way that I think most people can understand. Apple needs that again today for this. 
Because like they have that whole privacy web page, right? And and I just don't feel like it is clear enough, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, there's things like they talk about end-to-end encryption for iMessages and saying that when it's in transit, it's encrypted, and it's like that's great, but it doesn't talk about iCloud backup. Yeah. So you got like you know, it talks about. I just you know like they they talk about on the on the iCloud backup portion they talk about the data being encrypted and then they say that it is end to end encrypted for these things but it doesn't really talk about what that means right like these are marketing pages they are meant to inform people and I I don't I feel like that they do not go into enough detail about what that encryption means will you read me to just re- let me just read this to you sure. Mm-hmm. So this is end-to-end encryption. This is under the. Uh, oh, actually, I want to get the. Where's the iCloud page? Sorry, I mean, I want to get. I want to make sure I get the right one because of. The, yeah, okay, yeah. Encrypted data. This is under iCloud. Your iCloud content, like photos, contacts, and reminders, is encrypted when it's transferred and when it's stored on our servers. Mail is sent from your device to iCloud of encryption in transit, and it's stored with security features designed to protect your communications while giving you fast and easy access to your messages. Apple also encrypts the information that is transferred between any email app you use and our iCloud's mail servers. Some personal data, such as home and health data, is stored with end-to-end encryption, which provides the highest level of data security. This data is protected with a key derived from information unique to your device and combined with your device passcode, which only you know. No one else can access or read this data. What did you learn from that? Right? Like, when I read that... It makes it sound like all of this data is protected of a key derived from information unique to your device. Like, that's what it makes it feel like. But that's not the case. But that's not it. And there is no asterisk here. There is nothing here which is referencing the fact that, like, who can get to this? So, I don't know. I know this is super difficult because, like, what are they going to do? Like, on their security page, say, like, by the way... If the government comes a knock in, we'll give this data over. Like it's hardly the best marketing, but and and you know it's like fine. I can get on. I can get on board with that to a point. But like, but, but who are you trying to be? What are you trying to say as a company? What do you want? What do you want your company to be? What do you want it to be known for? And I feel like a stronger privacy stance is it. And I think the strongest privacy stance that you can take is you can say. No one gets this. We don't mm-hmm. get this. No one can get this, right? For as much as encryption can be trusted, right? Which is, you know, good encryption is basically unbreakable, especially for an individual. Like, who's really trying that hard to get our data, right? Like, and the amount of time that it would take someone to break it is almost pointless. So I would, I want to see them go that route. And... Whether this report is true or not isn't the story. And like, and it annoys me when people are like, the story is that we've already known about this. It's like, no, that's not the story. I don't care about the fact mm-hmm. that this came up two years ago. It came up two years ago, and it's the same now. We're still in the same boat, and it's mm-hmm. not enough. They should be doing more if between then and now, the CEO's walking around and saying Facebook should be shut down by the government. Because right. their privacy is not strong enough, right? Where it's like, yeah, okay, Facebook messed up big time and gave it away, but with enough court orders, they'd give away the same amount, right? Like, you know, if the government comes to them and somehow they have a court order for every single person in the country, what's Apple going to do? 
Yeah, ultimately their their North Star should be to just enable full, real, end-to-end encryption. That should be the ultimate goal. Like, mm-hmm. no matter how you think about it, yes, it would be a problem for customers who then later would not remember the password, but then use 20 pages of settings. Like, Make it an option. I don't think they should make it the default because it gets... It shouldn't it, be. It, you know, I do not want my mom to have end-to-end encryption. Right. Because... She will lose everything in about 20 minutes. <laughs> it's all gone, right? The, the public conversation, I don't know if this can ever happen, but we should stop thinking about real encryption as a helping tool for the bad guys and more as a fundamental right of a person. That's what I believe. I don't think it's what other people believe because most people say, I have nothing to hide. And instead, the bad guys are using encryption. I'm not a bad guy, therefore, I don't need encryption, therefore, the government is right. And I, I, I think that conversation, that discourse needs to change. But ultimately, it's Apple that needs to make a decision and have a real, clear, easy-to-understand public stance that says, we are going to do end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups. We do not want your data. We cannot get to your data. And then we'll handle the government and we'll give them what we can. Um, I don't know what it is that they can give them, but this is where a line needs to be drawn. And this, I believe, will define the real... And I don't say this lightly, but I think it will define Tim, Tim Cook's legacy here of like, do you actually draw a line and do what's right for your customers and do what's right based on your own marketing campaign or do you just let this one go and you know just ignore the issue and keep doing what Mm -hmm. you're doing like this is it like what are you gonna do i I don't believe they have to do this they just need to be clear about what who they are yeah right and like if they don't want to go the end-to-end encryption route for whatever reason fine you don't have to it's fine but it will define you Everything has to match. Yeah. Right. I just want to say, because the chat room are getting all upset, I was obviously being facetious with my my comment about them being like face like about Facebook. Like I'm clearly stretching metaphors. But mm-hmm. my point is just like you can't be so strong in your stance in the press when you have these omissions that you're making. You know, like Tim Cook is talking about privacy as being a fundamental human right. Now, a human right should be worth more than what any particular government in any country wants, right? Human rights, are, they're, they're, they're more important than that. And so I, I feel like that you can't talk about these human rights and then be like, except for or except unless this and the app starts to get messy, right? This is what I'm talking about. Fundamental human right? That's pretty strong language. And my expectation from the guy who's saying that is that he will let me keep my privacy at all costs. But that's not the case. So, Yeah, and also fundamental human right with an asterisk doesn't really work. That's it. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Quick straw poll. Do you think Apple are going to make a comment about this? Oh, yeah. Yes. Before the next episode of the show? Yes. I believe they are. I think they will make a comment in the next few days. I think they have to. I think they won't. 
Ooh. This hasn't become, I think, a big enough story as of right now. It's big in our circles, but I don't think it's big enough. And they are dealing with much worse from the government right now. I don't think they are going to say anything. Interesting. Because okay, we'll see. The, the story that they are fighting in the mainstream media right now is that Apple is, is, is holding back from the government. I cannot imagine them making a press release talking about how they're going to hold back even more. So that's where I am on this one. I'm not saying they won't do this, but I think it would probably be easier for them to announce in June that they're doing this with iOS 14 than if they were to say within the next two days, oh, by the way, we're adding end-to-end encryption in the future update of iOS. That's, that's where I think they are on this one. But we'll see. I would love to be proven wrong. Man, things were easier when it was about Flash mm-hmm. and the Daily. Remember the Daily? The those Daily. Were the days. Yeah, those are the those, dailies. Things were much easier. And, you know, we could get upset. We, we didn't have to think about the government and the, and the FBI. Well, whatever. Let's, uh, let's take a break and then end this episode of something fun. Okay. Yes. Yes, something fun. I like it. Something fun. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you create uh, a website for your next idea, your next project, with a unique domain, a bunch of award-winning templates you can choose from, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or write a blog about iPad kickstands. Whatever you want to do, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that can handle it. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. No upgrades are needed. You don't have to become a server person because Squarespace has got all of that covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I'm in the middle of rebuilding the parent-teacher organization website for my kids' elementary school. It was built in some other system 100 years ago. The person who built it's long gone, and they needed something that they could update themselves over time. So rebuilding that on Squarespace has been a lot of fun, and I'll be able to hand the keys off to the PTO, and they'll be able to keep it updated on their own, which is great. Squarespace plans start. It is $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. You decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Federico, what have you been up to today? All right, so... I've been sort of teasing that I was going to do a bit of a surprise launch for a product on Mac Stories. And so today we introduced a new, a bit of a refresh of the whole Mac Stories Pixel uh, design brand that we have. Uh, So if you go to macstories.net slash pixel, you will see the new homepage and the new products. And yes, uh, products, uh, multiple ones, actually. So today we launched a separate new color version of the Mac Stories Shortcuts icons. So for those not aware, uh, in September 2019, a few months ago, we introduced Mac Stories Shortcuts icons. They were originally a set of 300 
that later grew to 350 with a free update, custom icons for your shortcuts on the home screen. And the first version, uh, now called the classic version of the icons, it featured uh, monochrome glyphs. So they were white glyphs uh, with a transparent background. And the idea was that when saved to your home screen, when saving a shortcut to your home screen from the Shortcuts app, using our icons, they would look like standard shortcuts. They would keep the original color of your shortcuts. They would look like Apple icons, but with more icon options because Sylvia made uh, <laughs> hundreds of uh, glyphs and symbols that are not available in shortcuts. Now, today we launched a separate version. It's called the MacStory Shortcuts Icons Color. It's the color set. And this takes a different approach. So uses the same glyphs and the same symbols. So the same collection of 350 glyphs. But each one is a multicolor. So each one has been colored. Sylvia came up with a color palette uh, that we're using for icons with a white background and multicolor icons with a black background. And those are actually two subtly different color palettes sort of like Apple does dark mode. The colors in, in light mode are different from the colors in dark mode. But anyway, the color set features icons, color icons on top of, of a white background or on top of a black background. And the idea was, let's take a different approach for, from the standard look of the shortcuts icons and let's give users something that resembles more the look of an app icon. So a, a normal app icon, especially with the white uh, background icons. A bunch of apps today, they have uh, multicolor glyphs on you top made, of a white background. You made the enterprise set. Yes, this is the enterprise. Basically, it's the enterprise, it's the enterprise joke, right? Of, of all mm -hmm. the apps having a white background. But that's the reality of the situation. And we thought, let's do something different. So the Apple icons do not have any color. So the Apple glyphs do not have any color. We're going to have, we're going to go through the entire list of all the shortcuts icons and we're going to color each one, uh, choosing from a palette of multiple colors. And then we're going to offer two different background versions. So you can have a white icon or you can have a black icon. And the black icons, the idea uh, was they look good on any background, but especially if you have a pure black wallpaper. You know, there's folks who like to use a super minimalistic pure black wallpaper. If you install these icons, you will not see the shape of the icon. You will just, you will just see the multicolor glyph. And that sort of allows you to do this custom layout for your home screen that I think uh, it looks really cool and it looks really different from the usual home screens. Um, so that's what we've done. Uh, and the set is available just like the, the first one. The color set is $14.99. But if you bought the classic one up until this morning, you can get the color one at just $6. So uh, it's a pretty big discount. If you own the original set, you can get the color one at $6. And in addition to that, if you're totally new to Max Story Shortcuts icons, if you never bought them before, uh, we have a bundle now. So the bundle is 30% uh, off the combined price of the two sets. So it's basically $20 and you can get the full bundle. And when you add up all the numbers, 
the bundle basically gives you 1400 icon options. It's a lot of icons. It's a lot of icons because today, also I forgot to mention, if you bought the classic set months ago, there's another free update for you that comes with monochrome black and white versions of the icons. So white glyphs with a black background. There's screenshots for all of this stuff in the, in the post that I wrote on Mac Stories. And there's the FAQ section where I also have a bunch of other screenshots. Uh, basically, now you can choose, right? We wanted to give people choice. Uh, do you want to go with a standard look that resembles the Apple uh, shortcuts icons? Uh, and now you also have a monochrome version, then go with the classic. Do you want to have something different that has a bit of color and that looks like apps on your home screen? Go with the color set. Do you want to have everything and just mix and match stuff? Go, which is what I do. Go with the bundle and go crazy. So that was the idea. So in this post, your announcement mm-hmm. post, you included uh, a screenshot of your yes. home screen. Yes. I would like to talk about this. Yes. Hold on. Before we do that, the tomorrow, on Thursday, there will be, as I promised, I was a bit late this year, but it's coming out tomorrow, my must-have apps 2018 edition article. It's coming out 29, tomorrow. 2019. Tw- 2019. <laughs> Super late. 2018. Tw- <laughs> 20, 2019 edition. Okay. It's coming out tomorrow. So it was supposed to be out in December, but uh, you know, I got sidetracked and I needed to make a bunch of adjustments to my home screen, but it's done. It's coming out tomorrow and there's going to be details about all the apps that you see on the home screen. But yes, Mike, let's talk about the home screen. Ask away. So, I mean, there are lots of things on here that I don't understand. I don't know where the icons go and I'm very intrigued. So you have a bunch of folders that go down the right-hand side. I'm assuming that they're to a shortcut which opens a folder in iCloud Drive or something? Yes. Those okay. are... The, the idea there was to have a sidebar of folders. So I used the color icons with a black background to sort of uh, make the, that, that column look different from the rest of the home screen. And those are shortcuts that open a folder in the Files app. Okay. So you're using a black background now to to make that stuff. Look yeah, good, exactly. Right? Yeah, because it okay. looks it looks different to the side. It looks like I, I my goal was to sort of make it look like a desktop mm-hmm. of yeah. sorts. Yeah. So that yeah, I faked my way around it using the black wallpaper. <laughs> what is uh what is raindrop? Uh so I so that's the question that that I assumed correctly that a bunch of people were going to ask. So this is actually the 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 longest segment in tomorrow's article. Okay. So uh, raindrop.io is this bookmarking service. And yes, I'm using a bookmarking service in 2020, and there's a whole backstory there that I actually explain in the article. Basically, I so Mike knows. Um I've started playing competitive Pokemon <laughs> over <laughs> over the past few yeah. months. Uh-huh. And yes, competitive Pokemon, it's it, it's a thing, Steven. And it's a very serious game, actually. Like, bunch of stats, bunch of numbers. Pokemon. It really, uh, it's really incredible, the community around this. But here's my problem. I have been away from competitive Pokemon, like serious Pokemon team building 
for the past uh, 17 years, since the Game Boy Advance, basically. And things have changed a lot. So when I started playing Pokemon back in November on the Nintendo Switch, and then when I shared with Mike my intention of like actually trying to get more serious about it and actually play online, which I never do usually, I realized, oh boy, things have changed a lot and I need to catch up on a bunch of things here. So I started reading, I started watching YouTube videos, and I realized I was saving all these links in Apple Notes, like a lot of them, and I realized, oh, this is way too many links. And they're basically unsearchable because in Apple Notes, you can search notes by title, but you cannot search the title of a link contained within a note, hmm. right? The, those are not real bookmarks. And of course, bookmarks in Safari, I, they're clunky and it's not really meant for having a collection of, we're talking about hundreds of bookmarks here. And so I started looking around again and I realized very quickly, well, I don't want to use stuff like Devonthink or Keep It. Um, because I always run into some kind of glitches and bugs and stuff that I don't like. And also Devon think on iOS and iPadOS. I mean, it's in active development, but really the developers are focusing much more on the Mac version these days. And, and then I, re- you know, I thought, well, maybe Pinboard is an option. And I know that plenty of folks love Pinboard. Honestly, I just don't like the way that it looks. Like the website is just, I, I don't like it. It's not nice. And you know what I think about nice things and design. It, something has to be nice and pleasant to look at for me. Also, before people send me a tweet, yes, pinboard clients exist on iOS. But have you looked at those pinboard clients lately? They're not really, you know, updated very frequently. Um, and so I started looking around again and I came across Raindrop, which um, has been around for years. It's a really great looking bookmarking service that works everywhere. So it's got an iPhone app, it's got an iPad app, it's got a web app, uh, desktop extensions, all kinds of you know, different ways to get uh, to save bookmarks. And these bookmarks you can organize in collections, which I liked, and you can tag, which I also like. But really, it's all about the design. So when you save a bookmark, it gets this rich thumbnail that sort of extracts the main image of a web page, and it tries its best to extract a description of the page as well. And your collections, you can have folders and subfolders, but also you can customize the icon of a collection. Uh, You can choose from like thousands of icons. Uh, there's going to be screenshots tomorrow in the story showing my Pokemon collections. Like, each one has a custom Pokemon icon. It's amazing. It looks so pretty. And you can choose from different view options. So you can have bookmarks laid out in a grid or in a list. It's really well done. And what makes it super useful for me is the fact that on iOS, all these bookmarks, they open with Safari View Controller. Like you tap on it and it opens with Safari. It's not, usually these services, they have like their own custom web views. This one does not. It opens Safari. So all of the extensions that you want to use, you can use. If you use content blockers, it works. If you want to use Safari Reader, it also works. And it's super well done. It's so fast and well done. And the extension to save links from the iPhone or from the iPad is also very well done because you can save a web page to you as a bookmark with one tap. Or after you've saved it, you can customize it from the extension without opening the app. So you can add a tag or you can change the title or you can change the description. So 
I've been using Raindrop to, at first, to save a bunch of competitive Pokemon basics. So videos and guides and, and strategies and that kind of stuff. Then I started creating my own Pokédex, which would be a list of Pokemon. Oh my and, God. And important stats. So like, wow. what's the base speed of this Pokemon? What's the, like, um, what, is it, what is the Pokemon weak to, for example? And then I started using it to save other bookmarks for non-Pokemon stuff, like um, things that I want to buy online or music albums that I want to buy in the FLAC format for my Sony Walkman. So I got a bit of a collection of stuff. Let me ask you a couple of questions. These are, very, these are incredibly important questions for me personally as a human being. Yes. When you add a link, can you put in like a note? Oh, yeah. So you can... There's a description field. You can just type your own stuff in there? Yeah, totally. That's where I keep my notes for uh, the base speed of a Pokemon. Right. It's something that I write because when I'm playing online uh, with the Nintendo Switch, and I want to double check, like, I'm against this person, and I want to make sure that my Pokemon is faster than the opponent. Mm-hmm. I open Raindrop, and I type in very quickly in the search bar the name of the opposing Pokemon, and there's, usually there's my note in there saying, base speed is 50. And so, like, okay. Yeah. So, as a tool to double check things when I'm playing online, it's perfect for that. And the note, the description field, the note, uh, is shown by default in the main list view. So you see the title in bold, uh-huh. and you see the note in, in regular font. Okay, one last thing, which is maybe even more important, and I'm expecting this is not possible. I'm assuming you can't just add something, like a note, randomly. It has to be attached to a bookmark, right? So, yeah, unfortunately, yes. You can <sighs> upload you can upload images and documents, like your own, if you pay for the premium service, you can upload your own files but not text files for now i think it's just pdf documents and and photos okay have you heard of evernote yeah and this is so much better because all i want to do is save links from the web let me save you some time if you tried notion don't open that can of worms cool i I just need to say it i just need to say it because if i don't say it no no and i can answer that because i know that there's a whole group of people out there that are going to mm-hmm. say this. Have you tried saving a link from <laughs> Safari on the iPhone to Notion oh, on I iOS? Mm-hmm. Um, look, this is just... I love it because it's a, it's a dedicated tool to manage bookmarks that works well with Safari. The extension to save a bookmark, it works really well in the share sheet. And when I'm inside the Raindrop app, I tap on a link and it opens with Safari view controller in line. It's really well done. Like, that's all I want. I want to be able to save a link, have a preview, and actually also, of course, be able to search those links, which I cannot do in Apple Notes because it doesn't index the title of a link or the contents of a link. And in theory, uh, like, there's a whole bunch of other things that Raindrop does. Like, it checks broken links for you and it, and it shows you a message if, uh, like if a page that you bookmarked is gone. Um, it does uh, suggestions in the search bar. It's very nice because it pro- once you start saving a bunch of things, it provides you some with some shortcuts of like videos, uh, which automatically give you like all the YouTube stuff that you've saved, or articles, for example. Um, the developer is working on full text um, indexing of web pages, which I think is coming out over the next few months. 
So yeah, I mean that's the I I know that was that's gonna be the big surprise of the home screen this year, which is why I spent a bunch of time in the article talking about the app. Anything else? I feel like we talked about that way longer than the icons. <laughs> yeah, on raindrop, no. I mean, it's close to being something that I'm looking for, but not completely. Mm-hmm. The ability to not be able to just add text notes, that's that's a shame for me. Yeah. Like just arbitrary text notes. Then it would be exactly something that I'm looking for right now, which is to replace my Apple Notes workflow for adding uh for collecting up information for show research right right. sometimes i just add in arbitrary pieces of text into that right like a thought or an outline of something Mm -hmm. all right but i'm gonna look in that because it could still do at least half of what i need Hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so looking at some of these eric i can work some out there are some clear time tracking ones at the bottom yes Timer yes. menu, articles, shortcuts corner, I'm assuming open something, or S corner, I'm assuming is opening something to do with the shortcuts corner in the club. No, it actually starts a timer for the shortcuts corner yep. section. Yeah. What is clip to jar? So there's this beta, uh, this app called Data Jar. Ah, yep, 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 yep. yep. Made by Simon Stovering, he's the developer of Scriptable. Who makes Jason. Who makes Jason. Uh, and Data Jar is this sort of this uh, utility that, it's, it's one of those shortcuts utilities that is, in theory, coming out in 2020, um, that, is, that basically lets you manage data that you can then access from shortcuts. And what I'm building is a clipboard manager for iOS that works with Data Jar. And that are like other clipboard managers that others have tried to do before. This one lets you actually retrieve like images and PDF documents and links and music like in a in a rich format, not just plain text. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, the what I want to is there anything I want to call out? There's a bunch of uh, well, the new shortcuts icons. Uh, the recent one is the one that I use a lot. That runs a shortcut that. Um, shows me a list of my recently modified notes in Apple Notes. So just a way to get back into... Um, Wait. And this is actually how? on the... Ma- it's in the Mac Story Shortcuts Archive. I believe okay. it's called Recent Notes. Okay. It, uh, it's quite clever. It's, uh, it f- uh, searches all your Apple Notes database, sorts your notes by recently modified, and shows you the titles of all those notes, just the titles in a list. And then you can choose from a list and it opens that specific note. So I bet that works in the widget, huh? Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, nice. I, it's not in there, but in theory, it does. Okay. Um, site, is a, it's got an SSH icon, but it's not actually a terminal. It's a me- I just like the icon. It's a terminal. Uh, it's a, no, it's not a terminal. It's a menu <laughs> that... <laughs> It's right. It looks like a terminal. It's, it's not a, a menu. terminal. It's a terminal, <laughs> but a different kind. It's a menu with a bunch of options for Mac stories, including one which I do all the time, which is um, sync all repos in working copy. So with the push of a button, it refreshes working copy in the background. So I don't have to open the app and do the pull to refresh myself. Um, and add shortcut with a flask. Mm. Uh, sort of a mad scientist type of deal. Yep. That's when I when I have an idea for a shortcut that I want to build, or that I want to, um, that I've already built in my mind, but that I want to make sure that I <laughs> add to the archive later. You built it in the shortcuts work in um, yeah okay. Like sometimes I have this entire flow of a shortcut already developed in my brain, and I just need to actually make it. But I know it's gonna work, and so that shortcut adds it to an Apple Note. Does 
does your brain shortcut maker have folders? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, frames, I'm assuming, does a bunch of Base64, right? Yes. Yeah, yes, that's where all my... the Base64 is hidden. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't, don't tap that no, one. No, I, I tap it all the time. Below frames in the dock next to the Apple Notes icon, there's like a little picture. What is that's that? A, yeah, that's a, another shortcut called um, article formatting. Which is just a bunch of it doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to share it because it's a bunch of Mac stories specific um, syntax options for my articles. What if I want those though? Well, they're gonna be useless for you because it, they, you don't have a website. You don't know what I have. I own iOS stories, don't it? Sure, you can try that. It can't any day now. I've been ready to launch it's, it. So that shortcut is basically like a sort of a. Uh, poor man's text expander type of deal. Like it shows you a list of uh, text blocks, and you choose one, and it copies that text to the clipboard. So I don't have to type it out myself. Um, I'm surprised none of you mentioned in the doc what's next to reminders. Because I mean, I have the calendar on the main home screen, but then I also have Fantastic Owl in the doc. I mean, I assume that you're a dual calendar calendar power user big boy calendar user dual calendar cowboy not really but yeah i'm uh, cowboy c-a-l-b-o-y Ca- i'm a, a cowboy. cowboy i'm a cowboy uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah I'm, I'm real i'm a true cowboy um i'm not a power user but i'm uh, i've been using fantastic so the real question is why is the apple icon still there so you get the, the date apple calendar now the well, dates in the sidebar Exactly. Initially, I thought, well, it's for the date. And then I realized, oh, I'm dumb because the date is always right there on the home screen. So the Apple calendar will probably go away. I just, I just really like it there as an icon for now. But Fantastical I've been using um, because they're working on a bunch of things. And I, you know, I cannot, I don't want to talk about it now, but as like in addition to reminders, that was a kind of a trick question. Ooh, why don't you ask me about Fantastical? Well, actually, I can't talk about it. Federico, that's why I didn't ask about it. All right, it like... was a whole setup. <laughs> yeah, but I wanna, I wanted to set you up, but I, okay. but I failed. Yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> I failed. Felt very badly. badly. Yeah, I it felt wasn't very good. badly. It wasn't good. I, I regret that decision. Actually, no, I do not regret that. Oh um, wow, this is a roller coaster. Yeah, I'm, I'm all emotional right now. I don't know. Launch cuts next to shortcuts. No, there's there's one I want to ask about, and I've waited because I've been wondering what this is for a long time. What is ideas? Oh, it's uh, it's a it's a shortcut that um, this is the the simplest thing, honestly. It's a one action shortcut that opens an Apple Note called Shortcut Ideas. Okay, there was one more though. There is a couple of other questions I have, but I can't ask them because. You've had some stuff on home screens for a while, and I've been really interested about it, but I don't think it's here, right? Yeah, th- that's not here. It's in. You can see it though, probably in the article. Yeah, you can see it in the article about the shortcut icons color today. Uh, there's the second page of my home screen, which is also interesting because I'm using a real custom layout there, um, with like black icons in the middle and then regular icons oh let me go see i was just looking at the screenshot you put in our document yeah i should have put the second one sorry yeah um, okay so all right yeah there's my tasks and yes. releases an agenda profile 
Uh, profile, it's a, that's a shortcut that opens the settings page for um, installing a profile on your device. I basically use it whenever I'm checking whether I have the Apple developer beta profile installed. How often do you need to check that? You also have four HomePod shortcuts, one for each yes. HomePod. No, it's a four. Oh my God. All HomePods. One. Shuffle love. Is that what that means? Shuffle love. Shuffle so star. ready for love. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Look, I got to be efficient at all times. Uh, uh, what is my tasks and what is releases? So those two are, <laughs> Mike, I need you to take this seriously. Honestly, they are PWAs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> No, I'm why I am a hundred percent serious. Why is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that it's happening to you. <laughs> no. Oh, Steve. we'll do it back here again. It's back. Those are so my tasks. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Releases. Oh, don't do that one. Don't Releases. do that. No, that, no. That, no, stop saying that word don't in that voice. Go Think, back to oh, my tasks. <laughs> <laughs> so months ago actually i think it was like late august i asked uh, i started working on a, on a on a shortcut i was like wouldn't it be nice if i could put together a shortcut to um build a custom calendar view just for me that shows me both tasks and calendar events on the same page and so i started building that and at the same time I that was when I began working on MusicBot, and mm-hmm. on the at, on the side I started thinking, wouldn't it be nice if the music releases that I save to my MusicBot collection could also be previewed as their own grid, like in a custom page? And eventually, these two things became sort of the same related project of like, how can I build a responsive grid? that shows me for my tasks, uh, reminders and events, and for releases, music albums. And I realized uh, soon after that, that I had no idea how HTML and CSS worked. And so I asked Brett Terpstra, hey, can we work together on this? And so my tasks and releases uh, will eventually be released as Club Mac Stories Only perks. They are progressive web apps that you can install on your own server and then bookmark on your device with a custom icon, uh, as shown in this screenshot. And my tasks... Where would one get custom icons? Well, they come... Because they are PWAs, Mike. They mm-hmm. Oh, they come with their own. They come with their own icon. Wow. Or, yeah, but you can... I, I guess that... I mean, I'll make it possible for you to use any icon uh, you want. Uh, I'll think about that. Sure. Um they let, and they are progressive web apps that they open super fast and they fetch a page from your server and they show you either your schedule for the week or your entire collection of music releases that you've previously saved via MusicBot. Of course, both of them are powered by shortcuts. Uh, there's a shortcut that updates the contents of the My Tasks page on your own server. And there's a shortcut that updates the releases web page. Um, they're fun, but I've, I, I mean, the work come out for the club at some point before WWDC, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, 
they are PWAs, Mikey. They're, they're good web apps, you know? Aren't all web apps good? Is it the same as dogs? Well, no. Dogs are all good, that's a fact. Web apps, it depends. It depends. I still if, don't agree with this. Dogs are all good nonsense. That's because you're, you're a bad person. Um, but yeah, this is the second screen. You can see the tutor icon down there. Tutor yep. is there. TV forecast. This is a good one. TV forecast is an upcoming TV tracker. Uh-huh. Um, used to be around many, many years ago. And then the developer sort of abandoned the app. And now it's back and it's super well done. And I'm using that as my TV tracker of choice. And I think everything else you pretty much know about. A bunch of other shortcuts. Yeah. All the ad, all the new color icons. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Stephen, tell people where they can find the show notes for this episode, which would be important. They can find the show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 278. So go look through Federico's screens. There'll be links to that Mac Stories article there. There's also other fun activities you can have on the website. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up, or you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is, of course, the host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. so go check those out. Mm-hmm. You can find Federico on Twitter as V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief and uh, icon guru over at MacStories.net. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my work at 512pixels.net. I think our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Direct Mail, Booz Allen. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Hello. Adios.